Welcome to Alabama Care, everybody. I'm Sarah Williams, and today I have Candice McCool, who is a parent with a child with spina bifida, and today we're going to be talking about uh, spina bifida awareness and advocacy and some of our journeys and stuff like that. So if you would introduce yourself, Candice, while I pull up the stream. Absolutely. My name is Candace McCool. I am a registered nurse at a local emergency room. I am a fitness instructor, a bodybuilder, a mom of a child with spina bifida. Her name is Logan and she is five years old. Okay. Let's see. Okay. So my first question is, in your own words, what is spina bifida? <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> right, right. So my daughter, Logan McCool, has a type of spina bifida called myelomeningitis ill. It is the most severe kind. And I am full, all for staying in my own lane. I try not to veer out and look at other things other than what I'm actually dealing with. And so I just know what myelomeningitis ill is. And that is basically where while she was in utero, her spine did not fully form. She was born with a hole in her back and she has an abnormally large opening. It was from L1 to S5. And so that basically affects her bowels, her bladder and her ability um, to walk. And so that's what spina bifida is for the McCool house. And this was not part of our question list, but I just thought this was the coolest thing ever the other day. The way that you can tell people how to spell myelomeningocele. <laughs> well, I or can't say it. credit for that. Yes, I got that from another spina bifida mom. And that's one thing that I absolutely feel like has been paramount to us being able to function at the highest level is getting information from other moms who have walked this life before me and just other people's ideas that I can incorporate into our own lives. And that was one of those that we posted. I thought that was the neatest thing because when you see that long word, it's like, it's a jumble and, and it can be frustrating mm -hmm. to say. So uh, I really enjoyed being able to share that information that I got from another spina bifida mom. I get that question all the time, actually. And I've never known how to like, tell them how to actually pronounce it so seeing <laughs> that i was like yes i have something to use now absolutely um, let's see so how did you find out logan would have spina bifida well we actually tried to have a child for three years we went through um, a couple of miscarriages one of which was an ectopic and i left i lost my left fallopian tube and so because i was in my late 30s when i was pregnant with logan we had a lot of ultrasounds and at our 17 week anatomy scan they noticed that her head was abnormally large and that was all that they would tell us and then they sent us to a high risk ob who then did a more detailed ultrasound and that was where the opening was discovered and he diagnosed logan with spina bifida gotcha i was actually supposed to i lived or live now back in georgia um and it was supposed to be uh, born in our town at a small hospital, but we found out I had spina bifida 
there actually. So they sent us to Atlanta and I had all my stuff done in Atlanta at a children's and Scottish Rite. Wow. That's crazy. I guess, you know, with all of the technology that we have now, you know, they were able to stay on top of Logan's development all through mm -hmm. um, development. Yeah. That was back in uh, 94. So <laughs> it, technology has come along a little bit since then. Um, let's see. How old is Logan and is she in school? Logan is five years old. She missed the cutoff date to go into kindergarten by one week because she was born September 7th. And so she has one more year of preschool. She's been in preschool since she was three years old and it has been amazing. Uh, the school that she goes to, they are very, very open to ideas of how to accommodate for her physical um, limitations. And they have a peer mentor program where she actually gets to learn from typical kids and that has really helped her because mm -hmm. with some of the things that she's been diagnosed with related to spina bifida like her chiari two malformation where her brain kind of gets sucked into the spinal cord a little bit that causes increased csf and it doesn't allow it to drain properly and we can get into the surgeries later but basically it causes mm -hmm. her to have low muscle tone in her in her jaws and have a sensitive gag reflex and so because of that she had a very small amount of food aversions um, or a big food aversion and would only eat a small amount of uh, typical foods and so being able to be around typical kids and seeing what they ate peer pressure was a good thing in preschool and so now she has really ventured out and she tastes a whole lot more than what she did prior to when we were going through feeding therapy so does she have i know she's just in preschool but does she have any accommodations or anything like that she does. So she is a full-time wheelchair user. And so they make sure that the tables are the right height so that she can roll up to it. They have provided her a tray that fits onto her wheelchair so that when she goes to the cafeteria to get her food, she can put it on the tray and still be able to wheel herself. Um, they do know that she needs to get out of her wheelchair every so often throughout the day so that she doesn't have any kind of pressure sores and that she gets that hip flexion that she needs and stretching. And so she has floor time and also she has really bad scoliosis. And so they have provided a chair. So when she's not in her wheelchair in an actual chair, it has high size that kind of allows her to sit up more appropriately. And that helps her with her grip strength. Well. I, uh, I remember in college, actually, uh, that's where I had to have the most, like, accommodations, I guess. Um, and I had a class in an auditorium. Well, I'm in a wheelchair, don't transfer very easily. It's in an auditorium, like, with those kind of seats. So I couldn't transfer. Um... So I asked for a tape, like a desk, and they didn't provide me with a desk, but they had me sit in the very back of the auditorium at like the sign-in table, because it was a table. 
Oh my and, goodness. Uh, yeah. I didn't really like make a huge deal about it because it was a I mean it was a table. I could use it. <laughs> but uh they I, just, it was just a, if you're not if you, if you don't live it every day, you don't think about it. You don't think uh, about Logan, it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Logan went to um, a little daycare setting and they weren't used to having a kid in a wheelchair. And so I remember one of the teachers said, you know, do you think, does Logan have an issue with like paying attention? Because I see that she's staring off a lot. She's not really paying attention to what we're doing. Um, she's not playing during playtime. And when I, when I quizzed her about it and asked her questions, it turned out that they weren't getting her out of her wheelchair. And for a two-year-old to be in a wheelchair for, you know, four to five hours at a time and they didn't provide a table at that time, so she couldn't get mm -hmm. to the toys down on the floor. She was bored out of her mind. <laughs> and yeah, so exactly. Issue. Yeah, and so because they don't live in that world, they didn't even think about mm -hmm. that. And so once we once we changed a couple of things within the room, and they needed to get her out of her chair periodically, and then provide her a table during play activities, it changed drastically. Right. Um, let's see. How does spina bifida affect your day-to-day -day life and what does that look like for y'all? You know, it's our new normal, I guess, is what we can mm -hmm. say. So the way it basically affects us is, you know, Logan is a typical kid in every way. I mean, she's right on par where she needs to be developmentally, um, cognitively. So all of those skills are there. It's really just the way she ambulates. And so it's just making sure that wherever we go, we always have her wheelchair in the back because those are her legs. And whenever we are out and about, we've just got to be very cognitive of where are the ramps? How can she get to where she needs to be? Um, we do catheterize her every four hours. So that plays a huge part. So we have to catheter before we leave. And if we know we're going to be out, we've got to figure out where are we going to catheterize her while we were out? And do we need to come back home to do that? Or is there a place there? Um, the, um, the neurogenic bowel issue really isn't an issue as big as I thought that it was because we just do a nightly enema for her and that keeps her clean, dry throughout mm -hmm. the entire day. So she's in panties, just like a normal, typical kid. So we really try hard to make sure that all of her milestones are being met as she progresses and as she gets older. So, you know, it's just adapting whenever we go out somewhere, just adapting her environment to her because I'm not expecting everyone to cater to her. That's not how the real world is going to be. And so we want to prepare her to be able to live on her own when she gets older. Right. So before we move on, fun fact, me and Candace have never actually really met. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and this is related to what I'm about to say, uh, she didn't know me pre-wheelchair. Because I was actually not put in a wheelchair till I was 18. Ah. And um, so my new normal actually changed at the age of 18. Um, everything's basically the same, except I've had to adjust to everything being in a wheelchair. Uh, accessibility, when I got put in a wheelchair became a huge thing for me 
Like I'm a big advocate for it now because I'm having to use ramps and do all that. Um, we had to actually, we just moved a few months ago and had to get ramps put on our house because um, there are no accessible houses around. So Yeah, unfortunately, I feel like we've made leaps and bounds in that in that respect, but we are lagging so much in that area as well. Right. You know, even for our house, you know, we, we just really got lucky that the house that we bought prior to getting pregnant is a one story. And, mm -hmm. you know, she can't, you know, a lot of parents say, just go outside and play in the backyard. Well, Logan couldn't do that because we had right. a lot of rocks and a lot of like divots and things like that in our backyard. And so right. she is actually a recipient of a magic moments wish. And so we wish for a accessible backyard. So now it is completely <laughs> flat and it's grassed over. And so she's able to wheel over that. We even got it coming around to the side of the house so that when she gets older, she can actually drive up, get out of her car and actually wheel herself around to be able to get into the house. And so we're trying to think of future aspects like that mm -hmm. because you're right. Houses aren't accessible and mm -hmm. so you kind of have to make it accessible for your needs. Mm -hmm. And like with me, like you never know if you're going to go from walking to a wheelchair and you just never know like what kind of stuff you're going to need and all that kind of stuff. Right. And that's why, you know, social media, you know, gets a bad rap sometimes, but at the same time, it is so imperative. Um, and this is mm -hmm. kind of going to another question that you're going to ask me later, but I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, discuss it now of advice okay. that I would give to other spina bifida parents is get connected, get connected with your local spina bifida association, get connected online to your social media. Um, platforms because you have access to people around the world and the ideas that you get from them. Oh, it has completely changed. Right. You know, I mean, things that I did not even know was available in my own community. We right. now are involved in because of our social network um, relationships that we've built. You know, I'm really good friends with some people who have a child that's a year older than Logan. So they've already walked the walk before mm -hmm. and they already, you know, their kids are in, in chairs. And so I'm constantly sending them messages saying, what did you do for this? What did you do for that? When I post pictures, people are like, where did you get that? And, and so we're all in this together and we're all able to learn from each other. And I, I just think that's so, so important to not feel like you are alone. There are other people going through the exact Exact same mm -hmm. thing that you're going through. So plug in. Exactly. I am actually going to go to Facebook chat because I keep staring at it and we have a lot coming in. <laughs> um, let's see. Angie Pate said, Hi Sarah Williams and Candace McCool. Hi Angie. Hi Angie. She's one of Logan's biggest fans. <laughs> I'm one of Logan's biggest fans. <laughs> It's hard not to be. She's just one of I those. Think, she just has I'm that pretty personality. Sure, I'm pretty sure it was Angie who I was talking to. And I was like, she was asking me how I was interviewing for this. And I told her it was you. And that we were going to be talking about Logan. And I was like, I'm so obsessed with Logan. <laughs> and that's why I thought that Candace would be a perfect mom to do. I'll have to post a picture of her in the comments so people can see who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. 
Alabama Care said looking good, sounding good. Who knew? Technical difficulties, hold on one second. Angie Pate said Cam had the same happen to him at Auburn. The table thing that I was talking about. Um, Alex Sanders Scott Bimes, who is actually the person that runs Alabama Care, mm -hmm. um, said, my family member is becoming less mobile as she ages and accommodating her so she can still do the things she enjoys has become a challenge. I say that, you know, of course, my, my daughter is young. And so, you know, we haven't crossed that bridge. And I try not to look too far out or otherwise it can get overwhelming. But I have mm -hmm. seen a lot of people that have chosen to go to wheelchairs because it is a lot right. easier to get around. It's not so physically taxing. And there is nothing wrong. Walking is overrated. You know, I mm -hmm. used to have such a hang up on that. Like, you know, I wanted my daughter to walk and everything. But honestly, if if she's going to be left in the dust and not get to participate because I'm trying to put her in this big hip, knee, ankle, foot orthotics and she's going to walk with canes and she can't keep up. I mean, I would much rather her be in her wheels because she is right. so fast in that thing. And she pops right. wheelies. I mean, people, kids come up to her and we have lights on her wheels, which is another thing that I feel like is so important is to make make people in wheelchairs very approachable and so for her to be five years old we have different color wheel spokes and so because she loves rainbows and then her caster mm -hmm. wheels light up whenever she rolls and so kids come up and they're like oh i want to i want a wheelchair you know they're like wanting to be like her and it's a great icebreaker because even parents that come up sometimes they just don't know what to say and sometimes it comes out as sympathy or oh poor pitiful you know little girl that's in the wheelchair and we don't mm -hmm. want pity and so this right. gives them something very positive to comment on and to be like oh hey girl i love your wheelchair and she's learned to say thank you and then roll on by mm -hmm. <laughs> i uh i also have lights on my wheelchair mm -hmm. and just because if i'm gonna use it i might as well make it like i want to have it and uh, the place that I used to work, uh, the kids loved my wheelchair. And uh, I have a eight-month-old nephew now who absolutely loves my <laughs> wheelchair. And uh, he's, we have to, or he thinks he's, like, fixing it when he, like, is messing with the wheels and stuff. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. That is so cute. But I love that. You, there's so much out there now that you can use to decorate your wheelchair and you can make it your own and, and make mm -hmm. it after your hobbies. And just it's right. part of who you are. It's your legs. And so, right. you know, why not go out and just personalize it from, you know, top right. to bottom? Exactly. Um, let's see. Alexander Scott Bimes also says... Miss McCool, what is the best thing that you think has come out of accommodations for your daughter? And on the other end, if there's something that you would improve, what would it be? So we've had to be creative, think outside the box. I think that, you know, one of the sayings that I really love 
as almost my mantra is a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. So if you don't have, sorry, I'm getting a phone call. So if you do not have things that are happening in your life that challenges you, you don't have the opportunity to give it your all and overcome it and mm -hmm. figure out your own way. That makes you into a better person. It gives you better character. You're going, because I mean, life's going to happen to you. Things are going to happen to you in your life. And are you going to fall down and not get up or are you going to get back up and keep going at it? And so I feel like even though this is, you know, Logan's way in life, this is how God made her. And this is what she's dealt with, what she has to deal with in life. That's just going to make her even more determined to reach her goals mm -hmm. and to be the best that she possibly can be. For the second part of the question, there's a lot. I think the, the public as a whole needs to be more educated on wheelchair users mm -hmm. and how, how they can accommodate so that everyone gets to join and everyone is included. When I say that I don't expect people to accommodate my child, you know, it comes at a certain point. You know, if you are making an effort to include her, I recognize that and I appreciate that and I'll take it from there. But there definitely does come a time when you need to be an advocate for your child and realize when something is missing or something can be improved and speak up about it. Mm -hmm. Angie Pate said, love that girl of yours. We love you too, Angie. <laughs> Angie Pate also said, absolutely a perfect mom to interview. I think so too. And Alex Baum said, love the lights, makes it fun and cool. I agree. I also have two different colors on my wheelchair. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a very colorful person when I'm going around. Oh, yes. You ask Logan her favorite color, she says rainbow. So that's what we do. We just yep. put rainbows everything. <laughs> Sprinkle yep. them with rainbows. <laughs> okay, so back to Logan. What does she like to do for fun? So I like to give her a plethora of things to choose from to do. She loves to sing, and Angie can attest to this, when we went to Spina Bifida camp, she was the very first one that wanted to do karaoke. She actually got a karaoke machine <laughs> um, for her birthday, and I didn't post this publicly because there's a lot of things that I want to keep private in our lives, and I don't actually want to show my child on a toilet. However, I did show it with our uh, Spina Bifida bow group, and mm -hmm. because they understand they that's their right. life as well. And my right. husband actually brought the karaoke machine into the bed, uh, into the bathroom and it's got lights and everything. And he and her did like a duet. Uh, it was so cute, but it made that time fun because, you know, yeah. having a five-year-old sit on a toilet for an hour, you know, what do you do with this kid? You know, right. <laughs> and right. so, you know, it makes it fun. So she loves to sing. She loves to um, blow bubbles, uh, go to the park. And something that we've had to um, kind of work around is she can't do everything at the park. And so we bring things for her to do, and then that attracts kids to her. So we'll bring balls, different toss games with the bean bags. We bring chalk. Um, mm -hmm. She has this little dog that like yaps and waltz and things like that, and the kids love it. And so she's able to 
basically bring the fun things there so that instead of being left out of physical things she can't do, they are then attracted to her and they have a good time. I also think that she's really into science, maybe? Yeah, so she wants to be a scientist when she grows up or a veterinarian. She can't decide which, but she loves <laughs> science. She loves to, to do different like arts and crafts and things like that. And so for her fifth birthday, we did have a science experiment party and she got to um, make oobleck. And she also got to make elephant toothpaste. Now I will say both of those experiments were a bomb. They didn't really work out very well, <laughs> but the kids didn't know that. The kids had a great time. They loved getting all messy and gooey and things like that. And so, yeah, just basically I'm just following her lead. Wherever her passions lead her, I'm gonna go full force and make sure that I can make it happen for her. Okay, so now we're Kind of jumping to another side of spina bifida. Um, can you talk a little about the medical side of spina bifida and how that looks like for Logan? Because it looks different for everybody. Absolutely. And they call this the snowflake, you know, um, condition mm -hmm. for a reason because you can have the right. exact same lesion level and have totally different functions. So for Logan, I'm going to kind of tell some medical jargon for those that are in this spina bifida world and then try to put it in layman's terms. So when she was born, of course, she had the myelomeningocele, which is the big opening in her back. Now, most kids only have like a small little opening. Hers is huge. So they did bring in a, a plastic surgeon and everything like that to close mm -hmm. it the day after birth. She also has what we talked about, the Chiari 2 malformation, where her brain is kind of sucked into her um, spine a little bit. And that herniation does not allow the uh, cerebral spinal fluid to drain appropriately. So about two months after birth, she had what's called a VP shunt placed. It's basically a shunt that's in her head and it has a little tube that goes down her neck and into her stomach. And that's what reroutes that CSF. And then her body absorbs it and it's excreted through the kidneys. And so that's how we stay on top of that. Um, I am only five foot, and so I think Logan was super cramped when she was in my stomach because, or in my belly because she was also born with club feet, and uh, both of her legs were, were turned inward and her feet were turned inward. So we um, have been followed by an orthopedic specialist, Dr. Conklin at Children's of Alabama, and we went through the Ponsetti method, which basically means she had her tendons clipped, and then she had to have casts up to her hip for a few about six weeks and then basically every week we were going in and getting new casts and they just basically pulled her feet further and further out to where they were where they were supposed to be and then mm -hmm. from then on she I think she was in cast for a total of 10 weeks we wear um, AFOs which are ankle foot orthotics to keep that correction at night she has had to have one other surgery for that um, just because they started pulling back in. And so they had to reclip that tendon. Um, she's also had, what else has she had? I feel like there was something else. She's had three back surgeries just because of when she was in the entire 30 days that she was in the ICU, we had a CSF leak that they had to, you know, to, to redo. She's had mm -hmm. one revision of her B VP shunt, which is very common. 
they mm-hmm. do act up a lot. And we've just been very, very blessed that she's only had to have one revision so far. Right. So she's had that, that brain surgery um, and then the surgery on her, um, on her fate. My very first surgery that I can actually remember, my very first surgery was when I was an hour old. So I'm not going to remember that one. Um, right. But I was six, I believe, and was going for a routine checkup on my shunt. And Mm -hmm. they came out, or a nurse came out with a bunch of toys and was heading straight for me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my dad was with me, and uh, he told me this, like, years later. But his face was like, oh, no. Because you don't see that. Like, nurses just don't randomly come out with a bunch of toys to a patient. And they were like, she has to have surgery, like, today. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently my shunt had malfunctioned somehow. I don't remember exactly what happened. But I had to have surgery that day. That was the first time that I remember ever getting an IV, ever getting put under anesthesia and it just like came out of the blue so I wasn't prepared for it and I was six so it was that's scary yeah exactly you know I find I find when Logan has to have um procedures done being able to talk to her about it about what she's going to go through definitely Mm -hmm. helps prepare her and it not be so scary so I know I know with it coming out of the blue for you guys that was a scary experience But I have found that now with like shunt malfunctions and stuff that because I've had to find ways to cope that music helps a lot. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So I've had to find like those coping mechanisms to make it through hospital stays and as you know. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. They can be long and tedious, you know, and that brought up something um, being in the hospital setting, um, you know, spina bifida kids are when they are born, they're put on a latex precaution because for Mm -hmm. some odd reason, spina bifida kids have a lower threshold to accept latex and you Mm -hmm. may develop a allergy much sooner than anybody else would. And so Logan um, actually has a reaction to latex. It's not anaphylactic, thank goodness, not at this point, but she does break out in a rash. So, you know, that is something that we do have to make sure that we let the teachers know let mm-hmm. them, you know, make sure that we don't have balloons or that she's not playing with balloons because those are made out of latex and, and different things that people don't usually think about that have latex in it. You know, we, when she has a birthday party, Mylar balloons are everywhere because she loves balloons. So, you know, it's a very easy way to be able to transfer a, a normal balloon into a Mylar balloon and just have that so that she can still play with balloons. And right. not only that, but you were talking about, you know, the hydrocephalus and being, um, mm-hmm. being cognitive that they the VP shunt could malfunction. And so that is right. something that we do let her teachers and her nurse know that, hey, these are the signs. If she has projectile vomiting or, you know, she starts acting super weird and lethargic, those are the signs mm-hmm. that 
Logan tends to have when she has a, a VP right. malfunction. And so being, and that kind of makes it kind of a little bit of an issue when she has like a normal run of the mill, typical sickness, like a tummy virus, mm -hmm. <laughs> because you're automatically mm -hmm. going, oh my gosh, is this, is this a, a, a short right. malfunction? Um, and so you really definitely have to navigate that and, and, and keep a cool head because even though I'm a ER nurse, I feel like my medical stuff goes out the window when it comes to my own child. <laughs> and so yeah. having my husband there to kind of talk through things like these are what she's going through. What do you think? And, and being able to bounce off ideas before we race to the emergency room because she's yeah. vomiting. Yeah. Maya. I actually had, this was also in college, so much happened in college. Um, I was actually in class, thankfully it was at the very end of class, I had a shunt malfunction. And usually, like, my shunt malfunctions have somehow all happened, like, overnight. So I'm asleep when they happen. So I don't know, ah. like, and so... But this one happened, like, at the very end of class. I was fine that morning, went to class, and then all of a sudden, I was not. Um, made it through, like, the last five minutes of class, and I automatically called my mom, and I was like, I'm having a shut malfunction. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I ended up going back to my dorm and sleeping, because I was, I lived on campus, Mm -hmm. uh, my parents were 30 to 45 minutes away, depending on traffic. Um, so I ended up going to sleep. I slept for like an hour and a half, which is so not like me during the day. Um, mm -hmm. and it, and then the other symptoms started. Uh, and as I've gotten older, I have noticed that my symptoms have also changed. Um, like I don't, like I'll get the headache. Um, but I'll also get like a really bad neck ache now, which I didn't mm -hmm. have before. Like I would do the vomiting and all that stuff, but I would never get the neck ache. And that's a, like a big sign now is the neck ache. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting that and I was like, oh, this actually is a trauma function. Girl, uh, you're lucky. I mean, I, you know, for you guys that don't know, having a shunt malfunction is a true emergency. You do need to get mm -hmm. to the ER right away because what's going to happen is that fluid is going to press on the brain and it can cause damage to the brain. Mm -hmm. And so it's a true emergency. So when you have that shunt malfunction, definitely get that child to the emergency room right away so that they can have the MRI, figure out what's going on and relieve that pressure. I was actually misdiagnosed once for a shunt malfunction. I was actually having one and they misdiagnosed me saying I was having migraines. They sent me home Ooh, with migraine. No. <laughs> they, they, they sent me home with migraine medication. I took yeah. it for a week <laughs> until I ran yeah. out of it. And then yeah. the that should be the first thing didn't when, go away. when someone has a VP shunt malfunction, you know, or has a VP shunt, that should be the first thing that people think of when they have a headache is let's get that MRI and see what that VP shunt is doing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's see. We've talked about that, that. Uh, what challenges has Logan faced because of spina bifida? 
Well, with her being five years old, you know, I feel like it kind of the very first few months of life, you know, she was not able to experience all of the things that a typical kid would do. And even when a typical kid would start crawling, she was not crawling. And so she mm -hmm. wasn't investigating and, you know, and she was curious, but she could not alleviate that curiosity by going out and discovering new things around the house. And so I feel like we are now catching up to the months that she kind of lost during that period. And so she's, I mean, she's on her own little timeline. I have decided that I am not worried at all about where she is and where she's going to go. I know she's going to get there in her own time. And so as far as cognitively, I feel like that has been a challenge just because she didn't get the typical kid um, environment growing up. Um, but now she's definitely caught up cognitively. The other part is now that she's five, she is noticing that she's different and that she gets around a little differently. Now mm -hmm. she's able to voice herself. I'm I'm a huge advocate for her telling her own story. I let her tell, you know, what she's doing with her doctors so that she can get used to telling them what she's going through. Cause I want her to be her own voice. I don't want right. mama to talk to her all the time because if something right. happens and mama's not around, I want her to be able to take care of herself. So I'm setting that tone exactly. now while she's young. Um, but she's getting to the point where she's like, you know, she just tells them my legs don't work. So I use this to, to get around and that she just leaves it at that. And the kids are okay with that. But when we are in the privacy of our own home, she does show, um, sadness that she can't walk. Um, and so we are dealing with that aspect mm -hmm. of it that, you know, baby girl, this is the way God made you. God gave you, um, this for a reason. You are going to be able to get his message out to the world because when you roll in a room, all eyes are on you, girl. They're right. not worried about mama. They don't even right. know mama's there. I am Logan's mom. I am not Candace McCool. I'm Logan's mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so right. she automatically commands attention and she can use that attention to, you know, further the kingdom of God or further things that she is passionate about. And so I want her to be able to use her, her, um, use the things that are going on in her life to her advantage. And so mm -hmm. we try not to dwell on the negatives and instead focus on the positives. A really good question just came in on chat, and then we will get back to mine. Um, Alexander Baim says, what do you do for yourself to de-stress de and focus on your needs as well? That is an excellent question. <laughs> excellent question. Because honestly, you know, I was super overwhelmed when she was young. You know, you, it is, even as a nurse and having a medical background, I was super overwhelmed. And I remember vividly my husband coming home from work and I was just handing her off to him and then being like, I am so overwhelmed right now. I'm so frustrated. I've been with this child all day and there's definitely not enough time to focus on me. And right. so, you know, having that support has been so, so helpful. So I got on a good vitamin regimen. I take Thrive Vitamins. And so, you know, that started helping me feel better because my nutritional needs were being met. And then on top of that, now that she's a little bit older and she's able to go into school, now I have a little bit of time um, during the day to be able to focus on myself. And so that's how I got into bodybuilding. I did my first NPC bikini competition this past year, went to nationals, got fourth in the nation there. And now I'm going to do my first triathlon 
one next year. And so that's my outlet. Now I get up every morning, I get on my cycle or I get on my elliptical and, you know, I, I make sure that I'm staying healthy. I'm eating good. Um, and then that allows me to be 100% there for my child. Super mom. <laughs> that is what I think. Super mom. <laughs> She also has a YouTube channel. I do. I do. Candace McGull. Just look me up. Um, basically, I documented my um, my entire bikini uh, prep journey. And so now I'm going to be documenting my triathlon journey. And Logan makes an appearance quite often on there. She, she does. She likes... She likes to get on there and do my intro and my outros. And um, I have a couple of videos on there about spina bifida parents and how to incorporate a bikini prep. But honestly, it would be anything that you're passionate about, how to incorporate that into being a special needs parent. Alex Spine said, amazing and good luck in your triathlon. I appreciate that. I will preface it by saying it's not a true triathlon. It's a sprint triathlon. I'm getting my <laughs> feet wet with just a tiny little baby triathlon. <laughs> and Angie Pate, she actually did a question that I did not think of. Um, what advice would you think your husband might have for other SB dads? He is super dad. He is 100% involved in her, in her care. So the way, I mean, from day one. So I had a C-section because it, there's really, the verdict's not out whether one's better than the other, having a vaginal birth or a C-section. I chose to have a C-section because I am petite and I did not want something emergent to go and be twisting and pulling and, and all kind of stuff with a big hole in her back. So I just wanted to have a C-section. From that day forward, James has been by her side. He, while I was recuperating in, at UAB, UAB and Children's has a walkway between the two. And so while I was recuperating at night, he stayed overnight with Logan. And then we would change out and I would come stay with Logan during the day while he got some sleep and you know got his work and everything like that done and then he cats her he bathes her he does her enema he is such a fun dad they sing all kinds of songs they i really hope logan takes after him because he can listen to a song and he exactly knows the words to it and so they'll wow. just sing all the time he i mean he's just a wonderful dad and so i think some dads can be very hands-off because they don't understand. And I feel mm -hmm. like he would say, just get in there, learn it, and be there for your child because they're, you know, they need their daddy. And they right. need, you know, he's much more of a disciplinarian than I am, which completely I thought I thought that I would be the disciplinarian, <laughs> but I'm the more relaxed parent and he 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 lays down the law with her and, you know, she needs that and he gets down on the floor and wrestles with her. And, you know, and, and so I really feel like there's so much that dads can contribute to the raising of their kids. So don't be scared to get in there and learn how to catheterize or learn how to do things that you're very comfortable with, because that's going to go a long way to developing that daughter uh, father relationship. Let's see. 
Alex Bynes is on it, and he put your YouTube channel in the comments. Oh, nice! Um, Angie said, yes, he is a super dad. And Jennifer Gray said, so he gets credit for her karaoke skills. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and he's just so awesome. You know, I come up with these crazy ideas for her and I to do, and he's just on board 100%. You know, as long mm -hmm. as it's safe, we're safe, we're good. You know, Logan is... Um, a model. She um, got picked up by a modeling agency in Georgia. And so she's done a commercial for the uh, Cartoon Network. She, if you go into Carter's stores right now, she is above the pajama section in her mm -hmm. wheelchair in one of their little pajamas. Um, you know, we're trying to be advocates. And I, I don't ever want her to do anything that she doesn't enjoy. And so we don't do a whole lot of modeling gigs but we do them from time to time because i really feel like it's important to get people out there and kids to see wheelchairs um and get comfortable around people in wheelchairs right okay let's get back to my questions um let's see what are ways you have found to help logan adapt to certain situations Well, you know, she's five, so it's, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, I hope that she's learning by example. I hope she's learning that through us figuring out ways that she can have fun, that she'll then be able to take it upon herself to do those same things when she's not with mom. Right. Um, let's see. Okay, these are some questions that I actually had emailed to me. Um, so, what age does spina bifida usually occur or does it affect people from birth? So it's my understanding you're born with it. And so it's not something that you, you get later on in life. Maybe it's discovered later in life, but mm -hmm. I feel like you are born with it. It's right. basically in the first few weeks of conception before most women even know that they are pregnant, that is when it occurs. And so what they say, what they tell every woman is, to take folic acid because that has been known to decrease the risk of spina bifida. In my case, I was taking prenatals with folic acid for three years because we've been trying to get pregnant. And mm -hmm. so I was on that. I was, you know, I do pageants. I'm a pageant coach. And so, you know, I had just won the Mrs. USA petite pageant. And so I was super fit and eating the spinach and eating the other foods that have high folic acid in it. And so, you know, I was doing all of the things. And so it's not something that you can always prevent. Right. I was actually going to say the same thing about it's, you have it from birth, but it's not like a culta, I think is usually not discovered and some until like way older or something. That's what I've Yeah, like I said, I stay heard. in my own lane, so I don't know too much about the other forms of spina bifida, but I think you are correct that, you know, there yeah. are lesser forms that aren't discovered until later in life. Oh, let's see. Did you have any symptoms that helped discover that Logan would be born with spina bifida? 
No, it was just at that anatomy scan when they noticed her abnormally large head, which was that um, fluid buildup. And then they sent mm -hmm. us to the high risk OB who then diagnosed her. Gotcha. So we knew we were, we were fortunate. We knew before we had her that she had spina bifida. So we were able to speak with specialists um, about what could we what could we incur? What are the, what kind of life expectancy is she supposed to have? You know, because I honestly feel like that the time, the time in utero is the scariest time because you don't know what to expect. It is a new world that has been thrust upon you. And the Children's of Alabama Spina Bifida Clinic has been absolutely amazing. Dr. Blount, one of the neurosurgeons actually took an entire hour sat mm -hmm. down with my husband and I, because even in nursing school, I only learned about a paragraph about spina bifida. They don't really teach you the ins and outs of it. And so he spent an entire hour with us and talked about how well these kids do, what you can expect, you know, what resources are out there because OBGYNs, they don't see these babies once they're born. They don't right. see them thriving in life. And so we were told that she, Logan would not be able to eat or drink on her own, probably wouldn't be able to breathe on her own and would die of SIDS within the first few weeks. You know, mm -hmm. we should have, you know, we, we were given the option to abort and he said, you know, we could go to Georgia and have that done if that was what our wishes were. And unfortunately, only 37% of spina bifida babies are allowed to live because they are given this mm -hmm. huge prognosis and they don't think that they can handle it. They, they, and, and it's scary. And I understand that, you know, so going to your spina bifida neurosurgeon at your children's hospital and speaking to them and knowing that they are following these kids and what kind of quality of life that they can expect, it completely changes your viewpoint. And it gives you that positivity that you need to say, I can do this. I'm going to love my child no matter what. And I'm going to give her everything that she needs in life to thrive. Right. Okay, this next question is actually for both of us. I found that one out after uh, I got emailed it. Um, how do you keep such a positive attitude as a parent with a child with special needs? So for me, I don't feel like there's any other option. Because what am I going to do? Just be negative and negative Nancy all day, you know, and, and just say, oh, poor pitiful us. Look at what's happening to us. Look what ha what life dealt us. That's no way to live. You know, right. I make a conscious decision to be positive and find the best in every situation. Sometimes situations, there's not a positive in it. <laughs> However, exactly. Yeah. Is. And if there's not, then go out and change it. You be the change and you be the positivity in that situation. And so I just have to make a, a, a conscious decision to approach things in a positive way. It is a decision. It may not be the way that I feel in the moment, but that's what I'm going to convey to her so that when she has challenges that come up in her life, she's going to approach it in the same way and she'll be successful. Right. And I think for me, I've had to realize that this is my reality because it changed from walking to wheelchair and now this is my reality. I'm trying to learn how to walk again um, and it's going really well right now, um, but you just never know if that's actually going to become 
a reality again. Like, mm -hmm. not outside of the house. So, um, and I have a really good support system around me. Um, and lately, as of lately, I have a nine-month-old nephew that on my bad days, because everybody has bad days, he keeps me, like, happy and all he has to do is literally smile at me and I'm good again. <laughs> And look at what you're doing now. I mean, you are such an advocate and getting information out. I mean, there's no telling who's going to hear this podcast or this Facebook live video. And mm -hmm. this is going to be something that gives them the courage to do what they need to do for their child. You know, I mean, right. you're, you're doing such good in this world because of the circumstances that you were, you were given. And I don't know if you guys can see this shirt that I have. It says, Welcome to Holland. It's one of the poems that I've really resonated with. And it talks about how this one person, you know, oh gosh, I think it's been a while since I've read it, but I think they were supposed to go to Italy and their plane got sidetracked and they wound up in Holland instead. And so even though Holland is gorgeous, they really had their sights set on Italy and they really, they, they, they studied the language and they studied everything that they were going to go and do there. And so it was, it, it was hurtful. It was saddening when they wound mm -hmm. up in this new place. But then they discovered all that Holland has to offer and how beautiful it is and how wonderful. And, and so it's the same thing, you know, expectations, you just need to let go of them and just right. look at where you are right now and how can you make the best of it? Right. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on representation and advocacy for spina bifida? covered that you know i mean getting yeah. getting logan's picture out there you know her youtube you know we have a lot of followers and so you know just having that um exposure because you know right. kids they're gonna stare they don't they, they don't know what a wheelchair right. is they're gonna stare and they're gonna have questions and so if a parent hushes their kid and says oh you're not supposed to say anything you know that's not the way we learn that's not the way we get to right. know each other and so if they have a question ask the question we welcome the question i love education uh, educating other parents mm -hmm. and, and kids about what it is because she's a typical kid she loves right. the same things yeah. that you love to do she just gets around a little different yeah, I feel like representation for people in wheelchairs is getting a lot better. Mm -hmm. Especially like in with the Carter's thing and that Logan did. Um and I've seen a lot more uh like TV shows and movies mm -hmm. with people that have people in wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. Um so I feel like representation that way is getting better um yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i agree you know i don't think it should be mandated that you have to have a wheelchair mm. in a movie no. in order to be able to get a golden globe or anything i don't no. want any handouts don't no. <laughs> you know i don't want inclusion that way don't have pity on my child and say you have to have that person be in there you right. know but i feel like they're they do need to be represented because when my daughter sees, like we have a really good friend, Eliza, who was in the Matilda Jane um, catalog and to be mm -hmm. able to see someone 
like her. She goes, oh, mommy, she has a wheelchair like I do. Or she has canes because we've we worked with canes for a little bit. You know, she has canes like I do. I mean, she gets so excited because mm -hmm. when we go to Lakeshore and we see all of them playing basketball in wheelchairs, that inspires her. And so the more she can see that and know that there are people out there like her, she won't feel so alone. All right. Um, let's see. Are there harmful misconceptions that still persist? Yes. Yeah, yeah. she is not wheelchair bound. This yeah. wheelchair gives her life. This is her way of exploring the world. And so, you know, the misconception is that they can't do anything for themselves. And that's just not true. I think one of the biggest ones for me, and I think it's because I am older, is that we won't be able to get married or anything like that because we have a disability. Nobody's going to want to get one want to marry us or anything. And I'm like, just because I'm in a wheelchair, like if it's the if I find the right person, then I'm probably going to marry that person. And Absolutely. if I don't, then I don't. Yeah, like I'm, I, I can't even wrap my head around that way of thinking. Yeah. Um, let's see. What advice would you give a kid or a teenager that may be struggling with the diagnosis of spina bifida? Find what you love to do and be excellent in it because that's where mm -hmm. your passion for life is going to come through. Um, I think mine would be to not listen to other people. That is really hard to do, but don't listen to other people because they don't know what you're capable of. You have a lot of people in this world that like to put limitations on you because you're in a wheelchair. You use uh, crutches. You have leg braces. And you, if you set your mind to it and there's a possible way, you are going to be able to do whatever it is. Exactly. I mean, it's the same with us. You know, I'm five foot. I'm not going to be a professional basketball player. Exactly. It's not going to happen. I'm five yeah. foot. You know, it's just not going to happen in life, you know. And no, she may never be... Um, a police officer and go out and catch the bad guys. But you know what she could do? She can sit there and take the calls of the emergencies and she can mm -hmm. still be in that, you know, in, in that environment if that's what she chooses to be. So, I mean, it's all right. the way you look at it and just find a way to in inject yourself into that lifestyle. Right. What support groups or community resources do you find to be the most helpful? There's a lot out there. And that's why I say connect with social media because I didn't realize there was so much out there. But the Spina Bifida Association has been so great. She got to go to camp this past year for the first time. And it I cannot explain appropriately just how amazing that was mm -hmm. for her. She grew emotionally her vocabulary grew it, it 
it allowed me as a, and, and parents with spina bifida will, will, will know this. When you go to like the playground, you're right there with her to make sure that she's safe. When she wants to get out of her wheelchair and go down the slides and she can't climb up the rock wall, you're right there helping them. It's all hands on. I can't sit back with the other moms and, you know, mm -hmm. and talk and have a good time and drink my coffee and all of that, you know, while my kid plays. I've got to be right there going down the slide with her. I'm right there. When it came to Spina Bifida Camp, I got to sit there at the table while my child said, can I go play with my friend? Sure, babe. And there she rolls and there <laughs> she goes playing and she had a blast mm -hmm. and they had volunteers there that I knew that she was safe. She got to water ski for the first time. Water skiing, you guys, water skiing. It was amazing. Um, she got to do so many things and seeing other kids that uses adaptive equipment she felt included in that. And so, you know, just that one experience was enough to get involved with my association, but they have fundraisers that she's involved with. You know, um, she does uh, a lot of the bullathons and things like that. Some of the 5k races she'll get out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of different uh, fundraising activities that can go on with a lot of the organizations. Lakeshore, if you are in the Birmingham area, Lakeshore is great. They have all all adaptive sports and so you know she might want to play tennis or swim or play basketball or god forbid do rugby i don't know if they allow <laughs> girls on that rugby team but she might want to do that you know they have all of these different things so you know she can choose from and that's what i loved you know i mean she's not going to just sit at home and feel sorry for herself and get depressed she's going to be out there and getting active and getting those endorphins mm -hmm. and all of that is involved and so um yeah, so those are the, the two big resources that we have found um, in our local area in Alabama. I will say that I have found some Facebook groups. Oh, one big one that I'm on um, that is very active is United by Spina Bifida that I found um, some pretty good like resources and other things on yeah I mean that's how you and I found each other is on these social media groups right yeah okay let's see okay this one says I have really been researching and thinking deeply about what terms for lack of a better word bother mothers in regard to their children or how would they like organizations like us to represent their child for instance, during Awareness Month, we have seen and used terms like superhero, warrior, etc. What would they change about the awareness message, or do they like the messages they have seen? I think it's personal to each person because the reason I say that is I used to work uh, or volunteer with Hand and Paul because I had a little miniature Dotson and we would go into hospitals and um, different little areas and things like that. And one of the things that we went into was um, a home for boys who, you know, had just issues with behavior mm -hmm. and things like that. And so we had a speaker who was in a wheelchair and she wanted us to say, when you see me, what do you think? And for me, she inspires me because 
it's easy for me to hop in my car and go. I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about wheeling up, taking it apart, putting it in, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So the fact that she has to do so many different steps that I don't have to, that's inspiring for me because that takes a lot of gusto to be like, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go into my car and this is what, what we got to do to happen. And so that inspires me. But she took offense to that. She was like, I don't want to inspire. She was like, I'm mm -hmm. just me. I'm just living my life. And I found a lot of adults with spina bifida feel that way. But for me, yeah. my child inspires me because mm -hmm. she does have to go through so much and overcome so much to do something that's very simple for somebody else. So I feel like if I were to tell you, you know, this is what I feel like we should call our spina bifida people, it may not be the same as somebody else. You know, I feel like my right. child is a warrior, <laughs> but right. someone else may be like, no, I'm just living my life. I don't want to be put on a pedestal or anything like that. Like, I'm just, right. you know, this is just me. So the only right. thing I don't like is, you know, being condescending about someone in a chair, but I don't care about you saying, you know, I mean, I call my kid a willy kid because I just think that's all ultra cool, you know, little terminology, <laughs> but I am not a stickler on, oh, you have to use this term or you have to use this term or that's derogatory or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, as long as it gets the point across and you're not trying to be mean, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you bring up the inspiration thing because that is one thing that actually bothers me. Um, and I think my mom, like, I'm okay with my mom saying it because I have been through a lot, like, and she's seen all of it. Um, but someone, when people comment, uh, like, you're an inspiration, like, on some of my walking stuff that I posted on Facebook recently, and I'm like, I'm just living my life and... <laughs> trying to learn to do something again like I don't I don't necessarily see it as mm -hmm. being inspiring or I just see it as I want to be able to do this again so I'm gonna do it but I think it doesn't even have to deal with spina bifida. It's, it's the way you're looking at things. You right. have taken a situation and you're making the best out of it. And not everybody does that, whether they can walk or not, or whether right. they have a condition or not. You know, some people, one little thing gets them down and they, 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 they don't even want to live anymore. They just give up, mm -hmm. you know? And so anyone that shows that tenacity and shows that you can overcome anything that heads your way that to me is inspirational. So maybe that's the aspect that they're thinking of, not necessarily yeah. that particular situation, but the way you're handling it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what services slash programs do they, do you wish were available that are not? Hmm. You might actually have to answer that one because with her being five, I'm just, like I said, I don't look ahead too much. I just look at, see what does she need right now? And right now her needs are being met. Yeah. I wish that if there were more like peer support groups for ah. adults. I can um, see that. And because not saying that Logan's age, like, there's not as many problems, because there is, like, but 
like driving and stuff and going through all that. Um, mm -hmm. And high school and college, like, um, I just wish there had been more like people for me to talk to that knew what I was going through back then. I can see that. Yeah, that's important. I mean, because those are, that's, that's a hard time in life anyway. <laughs> so you add yeah. a lot of other different things to the mix. And yeah, I can definitely see that. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Angie just said, let's get more peer support groups going. <laughs> we were thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, Let's actually go to comments because I've seen a few. Angie said, we loved having you guys at camp. Alexander Boehm said, great broadcast. Thank you, Sarah and Miss McCool for sharing. You're so welcome. Angie said, such a great point. Everyone's perspective, perspective is so different. Yes, it is. And by everyone, it's literally everyone. Everyone has thinks so differently about everything. Uh, Angie said, let's get more peer support groups going. Yes, please. Even if they like have to be online, I will join them all. <laughs> I feel like they, they started trying to do something like that when COVID first hit and everyone was in quarantine mm -hmm. and couldn't get together and things like that. But I don't know what happened with the adult portion of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Julie Hosmer Baker said, I wish there were more affordable legal services for aging parents preparing for the future. Ooh, yes, I can see that. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we, we've touched on a couple of different things like that. And, and, and we've made some personal decisions, you know, based on what we want for Logan. And we don't want her to be capped financially. And we want her to be able to do anything that she wants in life and not be capped and say, oh, well, I can't do that because I need this insurance. And so I'll make too much money if I do this, you know. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we've chosen to go a different route than a lot of other um, families because we can and because we want to be able to have a certain life for, for her to be able to open wide and do whatever she wants. But I think that that is definitely needed um, more uh, education in that area, because honestly, yeah, I could use that as well. When we go forward, you know, how are we going to afford certain things that she's going to need? Um, are there things out there that I'm not aware of? Um, because the legal world is not my area of expertise. So yeah, thanks so much for that comment. I, I agree. Angie said, replying to Julie's comment, said, we need to see if we can find attorneys to partner with who would help us with this. Yes. I went to some conference at Children's of Alabama um, a few years ago, and there was an attorney there that um, gave advice like that, but he did not live in Alabama. He was from out of state, um, but he also has spina bifida. And so that was near and dear to him, his heart in order mm. to help others. So if we could get a team of those kind of people on, that would be so amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Okay, let's see. What do you wish someone had told you as a new mom? <laughs> it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. This too shall pass. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because like I said, it was, I feel like, there was so much unknown while I was pregnant and we stressed out a lot because we didn't know what the future held. Then once she was born, it was nothing but a lot of medical stuff and, and having a lot of surgeries and things um, and figuring out what she needed. And now that she's five, you know, gosh, it's like, I wish I could go back and tell that mama not to worry. Don't stress right. out about this stuff. Things are going to work out. God's going to put things in your life and in your path um, that she's going to need. And so he's got this. You know, I, I wear a bracelet that just says, enjoy the journey. And it reminds mm -hmm. me constantly just to enjoy where we are right now. Don't worry about the future way down the road and what surgery she might need or anything like that. Let's just enjoy the moment where we are and make the best of it. Great. Can individuals with spina bifida go to school, work, and live independently? Absolutely. That's the goal. That's the goal. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I love there's a um, there's a adult with spina bifida. I, I think her page is called Danielle Ability. I think is what her page is called. She's on I Instagram. Just I just posted about something about her uh yesterday yeah yeah i love it when people put their life out there because i'm like oh so that's how they get in a car oh that's mm -hmm. how they get out of bed and, and ready for work in the morning like things that i wouldn't have thought of because i'm, I'm right. not in a chair now i can teach those skills to my daughter because i've seen right. someone else do it and i'm like oh that's how they put on their socks something yeah. as mundane as that you know we mm -hmm. learn so much Mm-hmm. My mom actually uh saw that post and was like, I really love her. And I was like, so do I. She has a YouTube channel too. <laughs> yeah. I love it when people po post their life. And that's why, you know, that's kind of my whole reason. I don't care about being popular on social media or YouTube or anything like that. I just want to find that mom or find that parent mm -hmm. who wants to do something good for themselves and also be the best parent that they can to their child and know right. that someone is already doing it and here's some tips and tricks of how I get it done in a day. And so I want to be that person for someone else to know that mm -hmm. it's possible. Right. Um, can some... Can people with spina bifida have kids? Yes. <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> there's also, uh, there's someone I follow on YouTube who has spina bifida and has kids and shows like her, how she does like her daily stuff, just like raising him because it's going to be different. But, mm -hmm. yes, we can't have kids. Um, 
What can be done for prevention? Um, well, right now, the medical community doesn't give much. They just say increase mm -hmm. your folic acid. But if you have the MTHFR gene mutation, you may you may need folate instead of folic because you just don't um, convert the folic acid and have the body utilize it as much. And so that might be something if you're concerned about it, seeing if you have that gene mutation, and then that way you can take the appropriate folic or folate. And I think that is all the questions that I had. Go to chat. This has been great. So I know I know we're running a little long, but I love this because this is so so educational. Yeah. I really like this one. Just getting like and it's something that like I'm used to talking about because it's literally my life. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And there are no more. Oop. Angie Pate said, thank you both. Absolutely. I really enjoyed this one. This was fun. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sarah. You're welcome. So Logan has a page if you want to follow her. It's Uplifting Logan on Facebook. Um, so facebook.com slash Uplifting Logan. And we can put that link in the comment section as well. And then that way you guys can follow her journey. I already follow it because I'm kind of obsessed with your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to do big things. I, I have, I have she a lot really of is. She's move mountains. <laughs> She's so sweet. She does. She has a really good heart. Oh. There's a video, I just remembered something. There's a video that I wanted to bring up. The one with the uh, tooth fairy. Mm -hmm. when, she lost her, when she lost her tooth. Oh my gosh, that was the sweetest video. <laughs> what did, I mean, I'm telling you, she's just a typical kid, you know? I mean, she just thought that was amazing that the tooth fairy <laughs> came and left her money and... I said, do fairy cake? <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I love it. Yeah, um, on my YouTube channel, I have a grocery haul video where um, she actually goes to the grocery store with me. And God, love her. I think every food item ended up on the ground instead of the cart. But it's just, it's just such reality of what it's like mm -hmm. to, you know, go grocery shopping with a kid, a little four-year-old, mm -hmm. she's four at the time that we did that. And it's hilarious. I mean, it's very informative of things that you can get in the grocery store that are very healthy. <laughs> but at the mm -hmm. same time, it was hilarious watching her try to help me because I really do want, even though it's very, you got to have patience, letting her do things on her own and figuring out how to do it is so so important and exactly. so in that video i'll let her do that and it's it's a complete disaster but it's, <laughs> it's a it's it's funny <laughs> all right i think that is all yep that's it all right thanks so much for having me i have really enjoyed this me too thank you for letting me interview you you're welcome all right, I'll see you on my next broadcast. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone.